0: cannot be cured by rules and laws only by allowing people to look within themselves to follow their own destiny will we achieve true harmony it is what is in our hearts that matters not what is on paper not what we are told we must do by others but what our inner self tells us must be done so welcome to series 2 episode 19 of conversation Eager mountain a podcast about the tribe I'm your host, Lance, and joining the podcast panel today is Liz. Hello. Sabine. Hi. And Carlin. Hello. With episode notes done by Matt and myself. So series two, episode 19, the screenplay was done by Joe Boyle. It was directed by Costa Boats and the episode synopsis wrote out by Carlin.
1: Danny prepares to put her bill of rights before the leaders but first she has to contend with interference from Ebony and dissent from Taizan as well as Lex's own special brand of chaos. Meanwhile Ebony resorts to drastic measures in order to take out a rival.
0: So there's lots of little different things going on in this episode um So we'll try and get through most of them. So let's start with the Bill of Rights. So Danny informs Ebony that the Bill of Rights is ready to present to tribe leaders. But Ebony immediately insists on her and Bray approving of the final draft. So let's just focus on that first. Like, Panel, did you genuinely believe that Ebony was interested in its exact contents? Or do you think it was just a show of control and power? I think it might
2: be a bit of both. She doesn't want anything that would inconvenience her. be in there and well of course he's gonna push around danny for power simply because he can Mm
3: -hmm. yeah i agree with that i think that's all it was it's
2: a little bit of both
1: um yeah i can see that but still i believe that Ebony's not really taking the bill of rights as seriously as she should or or i think no one's taking it taking it uh, as seriously as they should if anything, I'm sure people are just surprised she actually finished <laughs> writing the, the first draft. Like, oh, this is a real thing?
3: I like the moment, though. Because um, it always annoyed me that we never find out what's in the Bill of Rights. Because, yeah, you know, it's not like they sit down with the Mall rats and discuss it. We've already seen the way Danny reacts to anybody even suggesting what they'd like to be in the Bill of Rights. So, um, just that moment when... Ebony even says, like whether or not Ebony gives a crap, it Danny's reaction to her saying I'd like to see it, and you know, don't you think Bray should see it? Don't you think I should? And the fact that Danny isn't like, oh, of course, you know, sure, of course, sorry. We just we've been busy or whatever. She's so annoyed, mm-hmm. you know, that she should have to show it to anybody. And it's just like, God, I hate you so much. Like <laughs> I don't want to hate you, but why are you like this? Like why do you have this idea that we all know it's going to be in? It's like, no, Danny, I actually have no idea what's in your bill of rights. Apparently, stealing is not in there, so I don't know what's in there. And you're bothered by anyone wanting to know to have a chance. You don't even care if the tribe you're with or presenting this to the city knows what's in there. You're so uh, anything Ebony does to bug uh, Danny this episode, I'm for it
1: yeah danny really reminds me of like when you're in grade school and you have like a team project with somebody who you clearly don't like and they're they don't work well with other people at all and you know you try to say hey all right so let's try to split the work in half and she's like what <laughs> and just tries to just do everything on her own <laughs>
2: I was the person who ended up doing everything on her own simply because <laughs> the other ones would just not do enough.
1: Well, you know what? That could, be, that could be the case, but Danny doesn't allow them to at least help.
2: Well, because he wants control as well. He wants it her way because he doesn't believe anyone else's way is the right way. Mm-hmm. So from her point of view, I get not wanting Ebony involved, but it's not right.
0: To, to flip it around a little, a little bit like has anyone generally offered to help danny
2: mm, no the only one's really given has been giving her suggestions was jack of all people
3: which just tells you how little anyone else has invested in these bill of rights mm-hmm. like we haven't seen anybody clamoring like oh my gosh that's such a good idea i have all these you know these ideas that you could put in there everyone's lack of investment even Bray's what does that tell you about these bill of rights and that Danny has not done a very good job selling it on anyone it's just they're they not doing this because they think it's the best idea ever and they are gung-ho for it they're doing it because it's easier than listening to Danny whine at them you know it's like mm-hmm. fine I mean Bray literally gives in to her because it's like I need a distraction sure I'm with you whatever you want you know and no one even asked the Marats if they really wanted a Bill of Rights and let them vote on it. And so why would you want to help her if you know you don't even have a voice in this? And we've already discussed how the Marats are just going along with whatever Bray says. And it's, I hate the execution of this so bad.
2: Like, the Bill of Rights aren't a bad idea, but... man, I could have seen someone like Ellie getting involved with it, even though she's rather new to this group of people. Well, not much newer than Danny is, but but you know, I could see her having opinions, and even she doesn't care. Yeah,
3: but I mean, also Danny hasn't made herself approachable to anybody who might have been interested. I mean, mm-hmm. she's always yelling and snapping at people. Her tone with everyone almost all the time is antagonistic, no matter what the subject is would you want to approach her about the project? Would you look at Danny and say, you know what? I'm really interested in the Bill of Rights and I'd love to work with Danny on it. I'd be like, even if I was interested, I don't want to work with her. I, it'll be a nightmare working with her.
0: That's that's very true, actually. She's mm-hmm. shot them down constantly, like um, Jack and Ellie about their looking into the virus and everything. So, yeah, obviously they're not going to be interested in her project. <laughs>
1: so, yeah. Right, right. Yeah, fair enough. Yeah, and this is also just another great example of how uh, I would guess certain people in society don't really care for voting because they don't necessarily understand or at least it's not communicated to them in the right way of how does it affect them in their lives even though it does it affects them huge a great impact but they still can't see the bigger picture and it's mostly due to the fact of again Danny not doing her best to uh, I guess one not make everyone evolved into the bill of rights because it should be a group thing not just one or two people because um, if you ask me I think the biggest people who should have a say of what's in the bill of rights is uh, again Bray Ebony Jack I would honestly would love Lex uh, opinion on the bill of rights because he has so much I guess street knowledge of what will actually work uh, out there and in, the, in the city and then uh, of course again other tribe leaders they it, the whole thing shouldn't just be made and then just have them to be like hey is this good look over it and then just approve it like no they should have input in it as well like it should be a so much of a bigger thing than just danny just going about it the way she is
2: yes she's just acting like a high school teacher on a power trip
1: yeah she's acting like a student who just won class president and he's like you all are listening to me now
3: it stinks because I totally agree with the Bill of Rights. You know, mm-hmm. I'm not even against the idea of them having a law, but they've made me hate this every step of the way because of how they've gone about it.
1: <laughs> yeah, and also I don't think there's anything in. Oh, uh, well, maybe. Oh, well, I don't think there's anything in the Bill of Rights. I keep like I, I was like re uh, replaying when Ebony was opening the, the page, and it looks like there's literally nothing imprinted on it.
3: I think I mentioned this before. When I was younger, and my uncle made me a tribe kit, had all this really cool, fun stuff in there. You know, like tins of beans, ketchup. You know, funky Mm clothes, all that stuff. And uh, he made me a bill of rights, and it just has Bray's name written all over it, and bigger and bigger (laughs) (laughs) and It's just like Bray, 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 Bray,
0: (laughs) and that's right. I wouldn't be surprised. <laughs>
1: yeah, that <laughs> That's, would be great.
2: right once. He, he wants full copyright on Bray.
1: Bray, Bray, Bray shirtless, Bray, and Bray again.
2: Bray in his knitted top. Bray without his knitted top.
0: <laughs> Speaking about Bray. Okay, panel. Um, okay, look, when, when everybody stands firm on the death penalty, and not exile, being the punishment for murder. We see Bray quietly stand with Ebony here. here, here and we need to talk about that. Because <laughs> for me, that that did, does not seem like Bray. Um, what, what did you make of that moment? He is so whipped. <laughs>
2: oh, <it's... laughs> she has full control over him. He doesn't even... Care anymore what he says? He'll just nod and go along with whatever he suggests. Doesn't feel like Bray.
3: Um I don't feel like that's something the Bray I was introduced to would just go along with without at least explaining why he feels that way. Um, I could see, you know, a season one Bray being like, "Well, this is why I don't think we should have a death penalty," and the same reason that he would talk to Amber why he didn't believe in leaders or whatever, you know, and. um, So yeah, this just strikes me as someone who's very defeated and does not feel like fighting about anything today. You know, he's just like, are you happy with what you see? And of, course, and of course, Danny's combative about everything. So, of course, the fact that someone would even bring up a difference of opinion, you know, everybody didn't say, oh, this, I don't want this. So I, I'm not going to sign this unless you change it. She just said, I want you to know if anybody else wants to go for a heavier punishment, I'll side with them about that. And what is Danny's knee-jerk reaction what? How dare anybody disagree with my opinion of how we should deal with one of the most serious crimes? Mm-hmm. You know, and so brave man, like, Danny, just let it go. I think he's sick of both of them right now. You know,
2: mm-hmm.
3: like, I don't want to fight you guys. I'm in the middle of this all the time. I don't want to fight with anyone right now. I don't care. I think he's just like, I just want to get this freaking Bill of Rights signed,
2: you know, get one thing done. I just don't think he cares right now. <sighs> He just wants to get it over with, but over a, on a subject like this. I mean, when Jack suggested it in season one, they were all so mad. And then for Bray to just let this slide with, oh, okay, that's what Ebony wants. Fine. <laughs> Next topic. <laughs> you know?
1: Yeah. This just shows, again, that maybe, you know, we all love Bray and all, but he's not mm. the best person to, to lead these, uh, these uh, group of individuals.
3: If, like I said, if Bray was on his game, like, you know, in his top form, I would assume that what's going on in his head is that he agrees with Ebony in the sense that we have to respect that not everybody's going to agree on such a heavy topic. And this is not the time to be fighting about it. You know, um, we have to, if if Ebony's right and the other people don't agree with this, that's something we have to respect and discuss, Danny. Throwing a tantrum about it isn't going to get you anywhere, you know. But he's not on the top of his game, so that's why I think Bray's just sort of like, I don't really, we're not doing this right now. Okay, Danny, don't make this into a fight right now. I don't want to challenge Ebony on anything right now. You know, like, it's not even a problem. We don't even know how the other tribe leaders are going to feel about it. And what does he already say? They're going to agree to whatever we wrote because we haven't given them a choice. So the way Bray might see it is that this isn't even going to be a conflict. Ebony's just baiting Danny. Danny's taking the bait. And Bray's just like, why are you doing this? We already know that the tribe leaders are going to sign whatever we put on here or we'll threaten to take their antidote away. Let's not do this right now. I'm tired and I hate you guys. You know, what I, mean? like, I don't <laughs> want to do this.
1: <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It almost seem, the way you describe it, it almost makes it seem that Ebony is just trolling Danny at this point.
0: <laughs> okay. So, I mean, so let's stick with Brace. I mean, because if we're believing that he's just, he's so fed up and he's, he's just given up at this point in time it leads on to the next issue that occurs because he, it takes Patsy and Chloe to suggest ideas about finding out about Trudy and the chosen. And that really annoyed me because we obviously, we saw how fired up he was before and obviously now we've seen how depressed and stuff he is, but it just doesn't seem to care at all. And it takes the children to remind him that Trudy and the chosen are still out there and we still need to know about them. Um, yeah. What did you think about that?
3: More proof that we're dealing with a defeated Bray. Mm-hmm. this is a broken man right now yeah. i don't feel. i don't feel sorry for him but look at his energy level in this whole episode it's just like i don't care maybe mm-hmm. if i just achieve this one goal if i get something done you know i don't know i'll be able to put that down and maybe it'll give me the endorphins i need to feel like i'm on the right track or whatever but yeah, he, it does annoy me that the girls mentioned something that he himself should have thought of. Like, why aren't you asking around? I understand some other characters giving up on Brady and
2: Trudy, but Bray? You're giving up on them? I'm not sure if it's as much giving up on them or just pretending nothing is wrong there and pretending that, no, she went with them willingly. She made her choice. Let her go. Simply because he doesn't want to deal with the fact that that was because he didn't make decisions. That's true. Because he didn't went into action. His
3: attitude really is as though Trudy chose to leave us and there's nothing Mm we can do about that. Which is a lot easier than being like, I didn't save her.
2: Yeah, and in his eyes, at this point, she made that choice to go with them instead of letting them kill Lex. So he blames Lex for getting them into that situation. But it always seemed like he did blame Trudy a bit for that, for just going with them. Well, since he's
3: on the I-will-take-no-responsibility-for-my-actions train, I can't put it past that mm. it
2: crossed his mind. It's just at least easier for him.
1: You know, I'm still surprised how Bray never saw that situation as a win-win. Like, we get Trudy and the baby back, and then Lex gets to die. <laughs> like, that should have been the most easiest decision <laughs> of his life. Yeah. But... Yeah, I, I agree. I agree with that. I think there's just so much going on in Bray's mind right now. And again, for me personally, I think Danny would just be better off leading these uh, group of people because Bray has a huge ego problem that he's not aware of, and it's affecting his, uh, his judgment.
2: Yeah, but Danny, Danny has problems as well, and I don't trust her judgment either.
1: I mean, you're absolutely right. They both have problems and it's like any election, you know, like they're both idiots. But like, which one's the the better idiot?
3: (laughs) Really hard choice. Oh, my God. I'm trying to think if I was stuck in an election here in the States where, again, we usually get stuck with two idiots up there. And, you -hmm. know, if you're lucky, you know, one year, one idiot will be super charismatic and be like, all right, you know what? I want to give this rich idiot a chance. Um, but most of the time it's just like, oh God, (laughs) these are our choices, right? And so you have to choose between the one that wants to burn crosses on your lawn or the, (laughs) you're just like, I, not a lot of choice. Um, so I'm thinking Danny or Bray. Danny or Bray, that is a sucky choice. That's a terrible election year, man. Like, I, I don't know who I would choose because they're both, they're the last, I don't want either of them. So it's like, Bray sucks. I know that. I know Bray sucks. I know his intentions are good, but he's not effective. He doesn't get things done. He doesn't make choices. I, I'm like, I, uh, Congress is going to roll all over him. And so anything he promises me is likely not going to get done. Then I look at Danny and I'm like, yeesh. <laughs> she'll get things done, but it scares me as to what she will get done, you know? Um, mm hmm. Damn. Oh, she'll call Marshall law in a Harvey. Like, that's, that's a sucky choice right there. Because, I mean, Danny's more capable, but that can be dangerous when what she wants is not what you're on board with.
2: Because she's more effective at getting it done. I, I see her as more of a threat. <laughs> <laughs> and then think about the age of the people in this mall who would have to make that choice. Teena- mainly teenage girls. Where are they going to pick?
1: Pretty boy? or? But again, I think just because of everything that's happening, I don't feel bad for the Marats or the city just because they have the power themselves to change their leadership, to get these people out of, uh, uh, I guess, out of office. <laughs> but uh, again, the city doesn't want to help itself.
0: That is true. It's not a one-to-one allegory. I've just soured brace so much. <laughs> I can't even tell you guys. I used to really actually quite like him, but now I just re- slowly realized like how bad <laughs> of an individual he is. <laughs> I can't
1: stand him now. Sorry. <laughs> Yale for president.
0: Season two has soured me on a
3: lot of these characters. I I still love this season, but I've never really sat down and just had to take him episode by episode and analyze every action and mm-hmm. you know the. Their development just in this season, and I'm thinking, since season two started, the likability of each character has just gone down on this like the scale chart, you know, and I'm like, wow i I liked you mallrats rats a lot better last season, you know, as a group as a whole. I like some individual journeys, but as a whole, I'm like, yeah, you guys are just you're the bad guys this whole season, not a lot of likability going on here,
1: right, yeah.
3: There is one person for the likability factor. Well, I mean, we all know that Alice is a winner. I'm just talking about just one character can't carry the whole try. You know?
1: I think you <laughs> meant Dale. Thank you. No. <laughs> mm-hmm. and, uh,
3: but no, I'm just, you know, just that sense of like, yeah. I mean, I respect the writing for taking the chance and doing it. You know, that's a very interesting direction to go in. But yeah, it. It's hard. It's hard to, you know, to watch and think about it. it just, it's depressing after a while. And it's it, these, these, you know, the last chunk of episodes have been very depressing, unfortunately. From the moment Brady disappeared, was taken, unfortunately, we have just been waterboarded with one episode after another of some of these characters or most of these characters at their very worst, you know? And I mean... That that's a lot of episodes. It makes sense though. Yeah, I'm just saying it's exhausting. I mean think about it,
2: all day lost. I'm just
3: I've reached my point where I'm exhausted from it now. It's been ten episodes, just one after another, of these guys being the worst people ever. And yeah, I'm just a little exhausted at this point of hating them. <laughs> <laughs> can we swing the curve back up please do something likable because I don't like I can't stand it anymore I don't want to spend time with you people anymore
1: (laughs) yeah I can I mean for me personally I think that's why I love season 2 so much it's not so much about characters being likable per se like it's just about characters and their agendas and why they do certain certain actions whether they're good or bad, I just have to understand why they, why they came to that agreement. Whether if it's likable or not. And that's why I, I love it. So, And even though some of these characters are acting a bit fishy than what they were last season, uh, it's still very fun to watch for me. To see people make complete idiots of themselves.
2: Or just be totally evil like Ebony.
1: She's not totally evil. You serious? What took you all night? A sheep. I
3: what? There was this you which was having a difficult birth. We had to help her out. That right.
0: When was the last time you saw me flaked out in the cafe?
3: Well maybe that's because it was a
0: sheep. Oh come on, Jack.
3: Well why
1: didn't you
0: say?
2: I don't believe you. Well, you know how I felt about Ellie?
1: You don't own her, Jack.
0: Okay. Before we get to the tribe leader's men Um After Ellie walks away from Jack's tone and accusations, Jack confronts Dow about why he and Ellie spent the night together at the farm. Dow is clearly frustrated at the conclusions Jack has jumped to, but he also reminds Jack that he doesn't own Ellie. your Panel, what did you make of Jack's overall behaviour and did you like Dow standing up for himself?
3: I like Dow standing up for himself. I also like him reminding Jack that Ellie's a person and not a possession and not even his girlfriend at this point in time. And... I'm just very anti Jack at this point in time, so my answer is pretty predictable. <laughs>
2: mm-hmm. yeah uh, Jack is just so insecure and jealous it makes it funny to watch
1: yeah, but at least he's consistent with this yeah. throughout his entire his entire reign <laughs> as a tribe member because you know we see this a little bit in season one and then again now, but I think it's just very interesting just to see Jack go through his first relationship. And I guess maybe the first thing that he's actually maybe enjoyed since this whole virus thing happens. And it seems like he's just really possessive of that, making sure everything Mm -hmm. stays fine.
2: Oh, that reaction Del gave. I just loved the way he said it and the look on Jack's face afterwards. (laughs) Just a whole, no, no, wait, Dal. Did you just really imply that you might go after her?
1: <laughs> yeah, oh. that's pretty funny. Yeah, he should have said it more in, in more broad terms just to really play with him.
2: Nah, this messes enough with Jack's mind. Saying less is saying more in this case. Yeah, sure. Because that makes Jack fill out, you know, whatever he's meaning with it himself, which is often worse than reality.
1: Right. And, you know, he's also, he's also just nervous just because he knows Dale can possibly get any woman he wants. And if he sets his eyes on somebody, it's, it's for sure a thing. It's like a, a for sure thing. <laughs> so if he's like, no, he's going to take my girl. No.
3: <laughs> it's just, it's too much of a reflection of how Lex would talk to Ryan about Zandra and the way Lex would talk mm. about Zandra. I just... I can't find any humor in it. I don't think it's cute. I don't think it's funny. It's toxic. It's abusive. It's a red flag. I just, I, I'm i just watching it all over again with two characters. It just, it doesn't, ugh, you know, I, I feel like it's insidious. I mean, when Lex would behave that way, when he would talk to Ryan like that or refer to Zandra as not a human being with the right to make her own decisions and, you know, we you know right away that it's bad. You know, especially if you're young, because of the way Lex is introduced to you as just a terrible person. So there's no confusion. You know that he doesn't really care about Zandra. You know that he's not a nice person. So you know that what he's saying is wrong. But when you have someone like Jack doing it, who has been portrayed as someone you're supposed to like, you know, and is quirky and cute and harmless, and then you have him saying things like this. What that tell? That's very confusing for a young audience. They don't recognize how awful and abusive and toxic Jack's behavior actually is because it's coming from someone that they generally like as a character, and it just bugs me. You know, I um, yeah, so many people who are just like, it's it's kind of cute that Jack's like that, and it's like, no, it's that's not cute. You know,
2: but yeah, but there is a big difference between the way Lex does that. In a way, Jack does that because Lex Lex is conscious about the fact that he's treating Sandra like that, whereas Jack doesn't seem to be. He just doesn't seem to think about that. Which is worse.
3: (laughs) Abuse is abuse. You know what I mean? Whether you're aware you're abusing someone or not aware you're abusing someone.
0: Yeah, true. Mm. Yeah,
1: I agree.
3: I mean, yeah, you could say that Jack's not doing it on purpose. But does it make the behavior any less bad? Like, put it this way. If you hit a dog with a stick, all right, you, and you either, the person doing it, you could say they're like, Lex, I know this is going to cause this dog harm, but that's why I'm doing it anyway, because that's the kind of person I am. Or someone who hits a dog with a stick, but they don't know it's going to hurt the dog. It doesn't matter to the dog. They still got hit with a stick, you know, and So maybe Jack isn't doing it on purpose. Maybe he's not aware. It doesn't make the behavior okay, you know. And it just—that's why it's insidious, you know. I'm sorry, you guys. I hate Jack this episode. (laughs) I just I hate him so much this episode. So I
1: apologize. It's fine. I think most people can agree that he doesn't get likable until he he gets more of a sex appeal. (laughs) (laughs) I'll give you that.
2: (laughs) No. There has been too much suffering already. How many more will suffer while we wait for people to get in touch with themselves? We need rules. We need to know exactly where we stand and that there are laws to protect us.
0: So, Tyson refuses to attend the party that will be held after the meeting, saying that she can't celebrate something that she doesn't believe in. But during the meeting itself, she speaks up against the Bill of Rights, arguing with Danny and trying to persuade the tribe leaders not to sign the document. So, like, two questions here. Were you persuaded at all by the arguments that Tysan was making? And do you think it was right for her to go against her own tribe in that way?
3: I don't agree with her words so much as the spirit of what she's doing. Um, I, because I don't agree that uh, the best way to go forward is just to not have any rules and hope people get it together and do what's right. I don't agree with that. Um, but I agree with the spirit of what she's saying. Uh, because we know these people aren't agreeing to this because they thought it was a great idea or because they had any say, um, in what they're signing. And so her saying, like, think about what you're doing. You're you're signing your right to choose a way. She's not wrong about that. That's exactly what's happening. But I don't agree with her words. Like, she's referring to just having a Bill of Rights in general, and I don't agree that we'd be better off without one. And I'm totally on board with her saying this in front of everybody. She's doing what these people are afraid to do. And she's one of the few people with the power to do it. And when you have the power, you should use it for good. When you have the voice, you should use it to speak for those who can't. These tribe leaders can't stand up to Bray and Danny about this right now. They've already been threatened that if they do, if they disagree, then they and their tribes, the people they're responsible for, won't get life-saving medicine that they need. So th- why would they stand up against that? The last time they tried, Danny and Bray shot them down. But Tyson is in a position where she can speak for these people, and and say something. And uh, if they, so you know, she's giving someone the opportunity that they agree that they can speak up too. No, no one does, and that's fine. So, but I'm just saying, I think it's good, and I don't think there's anything wrong wrong with her doing this in her tribe, since everybody's in that mind space of thinking they can't speak up, they can't stand up for anything. And it's important to remember that you have a voice and to use it. So I don't have a problem with her doing this in front of her tribe, in front of everybody. I just don't agree with her stance that we shouldn't have a Bill of Rights, if that makes any sense.
2: It does. And I agree with you on that point. But yeah, I'm, I'm just happy she did what she did. Because simply because she is the person making that antidote, it gives these people a choice to hear that. She says, you yeah, you don't have to sign it. So there's a chance that their minds could have gone to, okay, we don't have to do this mm-hmm. to get our medicine. Mm-hmm. No, they, they got a choice because he spoke up. They still chose to sign it, but she did give them the opportunity to just say no.
1: Yeah, there's a, uh, the more I rewatch this scene, the more I realize there's a lot of fear mongering happening. <laughs> <laughs> with these tribe leaders, or you know what the Malrats are doing to these tribe leaders, you have Danny uh, just installing fear into them, like if you don't sign this, you won't get your your medicine. And then you have tizan also scaring them with what, uh, with what her beliefs. But um, yeah, I just think that's funny. But also, well, well, one, let me just say this is my favorite look of of Taizan. She looks absolutely amazing. And two, yeah, I don't really agreed. Uh, what she said, but uh, these other tribe leaders and their uh, tribes should have noticed that they they do also have a uh, a choice. They don't have to sign it.
2: I think that might have actually be- have been what she was going for—to just give them, you know, the opportunity to make up their own minds for once.
1: Right? Yeah, she's she, she's just so dramatic, <laughs> trying to just say just those simple things. It always has to be a show. It with, with Taizan.
3: Well everybody's dramatic and yeah. this is one of the few times where it's appropriate to be dramatic it's a serious topic mm-hmm. to be discussing
0: just a thought i had like do you think the way she presented it you, actually was her downfall because like do you think the other tribes could have seen that as like a little ploy or anything like i don't know um
3: i don't know um, like i said i don't agree specifically with what she's saying and uh so i don't think that does her any favors because while i don't agree with how the bill of rights have come to be or the pressure these tribe leaders are under to sign it um the bill of rights having rule of law is a better idea than what tyson is presenting you know um the idea of just oh i mean we've already gone tyson's way of hoping people get it together and do what's good and what's in their hearts. We've already seen what's in a lot of people's hearts, you know what I mean? And so what she's saying isn't going to, it's not selling it to me. Uh, So maybe that doesn't help because if I were in that crowd listening, I'd be like, yeah, I may not really want to sign these bill of rights, but the idea of a law that might actually protect me and my safety is way more comforting than just keep doing what we've been doing, you know?
0: And let's talk about that, because, like, did it not surprise anyone else that some of the faces in the in that leader, in that meeting, and some of those who actually signed away their rights, like the demon dogs, like, did it not shock anyone else that they would sign, like, antidote or no antidote? I don't know what they would have done
3: if there was, the antidote wasn't on the table, so... Mm-hmm. We were never given a chance to hear their arguments or their real discussions about this. Again, their choice was basically taken from them. So we'll never really know how these people feel about a rule of law because Danny and Bray didn't care how they felt about a rule of law. And so, yeah, I don't know how the leader of the demon dog feels about having a law. All I can surmise is that this guy wants to live. And he's promised his tribe he'll keep them alive. And so he's gonna mm-hmm. do whatever it takes to get them the antidote. So unfortunately, I can't surmise what any of these people feel about actually having a law because unfortunately the stipulations we were never given a chance to see how they do if they would agree to any of this without the antidote. I think there's an argument that maybe they would have. We saw in season one that some of these tribes were willing to work together. Because they realized how rough it was. Ebony was able to get these people together. And discuss these things. Now we don't know how it all worked out. Because we weren't a part of that. The Mallrats didn't get to be a part of that. But it does say that. Not everybody wanted to run around. And keep doing things the crazy way. Some of them were willing to sit down. And have agreements with each other. There's hints that other tribes had treaties with each other. And trading agreements with each other. Mm -hmm. So. We'll never know, you know?
0: It, it just feels weird that the demon dogs would care so much. Um, even, like, not having the antidote. I don't think they'd care. I don't th- actually don't think they would care that much about the antidote. It's like, same with if, like, if the locusts were still around on the zoo. I, he wouldn't care about the antidote. I don't believe that at all. It's, uh, it's,
1: uh, right,
2: yeah. He would have just made sure he mm. got hold of the person who made the antidote.
0: Oh, i i don't know I don't, yeah i don't know I don't think he would even care to be honest I think he would revel in the chaos so much I don't think he would actually care who got it or not who wouldn't get it
1: yeah
3: you never know how people are going to react to life or death when you're they're given that choice you know you just don't know how any person i mean we get to meet some individuals who do not care you know um but mm. we we just don't know. We're never given the chance to find out how any of these individuals feel about it. Sometimes the fear of death is just that great. Characters you would not expect, a person you would not expect to care about that because of the way they live. And then, the, you know, when they're actually faced with their demise, their the, you know, the fact that they could die, suddenly they're like, oh, no, no, I'll do whatever it takes to live. You're, you can be shocking, you know? I mean, we, our history is full of these really cool characters that you meet, Who are doing the most crazy things. So you think they don't care about living or dying, but the minute you hold a gun to their head, Mm -hmm. suddenly they're like, Oh no, 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 I'll I'll stop my wicked ways, just don't kill me. You know, you find out they're truly just a coward underneath all that bravado. And so I can't look at the leader of the demon gods and just assume that because he was a street thug, that oh, he doesn't care about living. You know what I mean? Like he could be like anybody else. I don't want to die you know i may live recklessly but i actually don't want to die you know if you're putting a barrel at my face
2: <laughs> and you know, now that i'm thinking about it that's not how i want to go out you know um yeah. and keep in mind these kids have all seen the suffering their parents went through you know and they, and in the past months they have seen other kids their age die of this
0: i mean if you're in the demon dogs and locos you've you've dealt death and seen it at like yeah of, um yeah you but know, it's Different if it's a choice, you know, to hearing what you guys are saying, but I just don't agree that it would affect the demon dogs. Um, you've given me good points about um gangs and tribes in general and how they would really act um, when staring down a barrel of a gun in a life and death situation, but for certain individuals, it just would not factor. Um, like we mentioned, the chosen, I absolutely believe the locos would just not care about the antidote, it would not factor into their end game, into their goals, they would not have it lauded over them they wouldn't care about it and the same for the uh, demon dogs they would not care about this antidote they would keep on um se- seeking for power and they would keep on fighting they, like, uh, yeah uh just personally sorry just don't agree um with the demon dogs sitting at a table signing away their rights it just doesn't yeah it's just it's not believable for me
1: yeah yeah i find it hard to believe as well
2: um, but i do think that the demon dogs must have suffered some severe losses because when the Locos disbanded, they would have been the logical tribe to take over.
1: They should have, yeah.
2: And yet they didn't. So something happened there.
1: Yeah, something did happen. But I guess we'll never know. <laughs> and I feel like, I also feel like this whole thing with the, the tribe members, uh, our, our tribe leaders getting together. I feel like this should have happened when they're just going over their first draft, not when they're actually <laughs> mm-hmm. about to sign it. I feel like that would have been something a little bit better. And then to uh, actually give a, some of these characters some life and to not have them just be faces throughout the series, not saying anything. And then also, I'm very curious. Again, I'm pretty sure we are all curious on what's on the Bill of Rights, but I wonder if, and again, I'm sure it is, but I wonder if like abolishing slavery was on was on that list.
2: Oh, I, Ram, Ram didn't sign it.
1: <laughs> right but i feel like i feel like danny would have put everything else on there but forgot to put that which would have been hilarious
3: Only really a wasted opportunity
2: yeah
1: well that's season two for you and three and four and five <laughs> <laughs>
0: <laughs>
1: okay yeah it was
0: okay there was another surprising moment in the leader meeting that shocked me um it was suddenly, like, flung out there by both Alice and Ebony that they were only alive because of Tysan. Uh, confirming to everyone there that it was Tyson who was made antidote. Um it just seems to come out of left field and no one even reacts to it or mentions it. Like, what, what, did, what did you think about that?
3: Didn't they already say back when it was decided that Tysan would keep the antidote that they'd make it known that she was the only one who knew it, the formula? Yeah. Like, everybody already knows that she's the only one mm-hmm. who, at least they all know, they all... All these city kids believe that Tyson is the only one aware of the formula. Mm-hmm. And the whole point. Oh, that that. Yeah, yeah, like the yeah. whole point. Remember, they were like, they were worried that the Marats would become a target. And so Tyson was like, then we make it known that I'm the only one who knows the formula. And uh, that way the rest of the Maurats won't be targets. If they want to target the Marats yeah. they have to go for Tyson.
1: What an but idiot it, idea. <laughs>
3: yeah, but CS,
2: CS Alice has her bodyguard.
3: So it, it's not a surprise to anyone else that Tysan is the one who makes the formula because it was already put out there that yeah. she's the one who does it.
2: Okay. She actually said that, Lance. But it's probably
3: because they ne- we never actually saw them do it. They talked about it. Mm-hmm. We never saw them actually putting out the word that only this member of our tribe is the only one who knows the formula, you know, but... It was, that's when they did establish that that's how they were going to go about it. So, and this is the first we've seen it spoken of
0: publicly. Wait, hold on. But, but Tyson Tyson still left the mall after that. Yeah. Because she's the only one who knew the the third secret ingredient, right?
3: Yeah. But I I think that Mm -hmm. has to do with the fact that they were willing to threaten people that if anything did happen, then we would just cut off your antidote. Again, it's not handled well. I mean, it is weird. It's very strange. It's never, there's no consistency to does Tyson always take some of the militia with her when she gathers her ingredients Does she always take protection. You know, it's not handled well. Like you establish as she's supposed to be the only person, which means she would be a target and she has a bodyguard, but there are plenty of times when we're like, where, you know, the bodyguards in front of the lab, where is Tyson, you know? And we just, in this episode alone, Tyson leaves the mall. It's implied she leaves the mall with the girls to collect yes. ingredients, but it, we don't see any guards going with them. They don't handle it well. You know, it is weird that Tyson hasn't been attacked again, but we can only surmise that it's probably because the mall rats have threatened people that if you mess with any of us, even the antidote person, you will lose access to the antidote, and everybody will know. We'll make sure everybody knows that you... To touch the one person who's saving all our lives so I don't think they do a great job with it but I think that's what's supposed to be going on
0: yeah I see what you're saying um, yeah that makes me hate the storyline even more I mean I didn't like it before because like, if she's the only one who knows the antidote formula anyone could just kidnap her um, and then demand to know the formula because she's not going to let everyone else die in the meantime while she's being held captive um, yeah so uh, this whole the way they handle is it. very bad. It was not very well thought out, I think. Um, and yeah, what if the like, the chosen had <laughs> had obviously found out this invasion and just gone and targeted her? It's just very, yeah, not well thought out.
1: This is my mall, my mall, because I created the mall rats from a bunch of scared little
0: kids who found their way in here one day. So you make no mistake, it is my maul, not his,
2: not hers, not Cruella's.
0: (laughs) Okay, so Lex continues to spiral downwards, drinking and having troubled dreams about Zandra. This culminates in him causing a scene at the party before breaking down in tears and having to be taken away by Ryan. See, panel uh, I know this is like a crucial moment in the next episode, but does anyone have any sympathy for Lex at this point at
2: all, anyone? A tiny bit? I mean, this guy has hit rock bottom and he misses his wife. You know, he's just thinking about all he has lost. He's no longer a leader, he's no longer even part of that team, and the one person who would always be there for him just isn't. But that's about all the sympathy I have.
3: Yeah, I feel the kind of empathy that I would for anybody going through a rough time, even if it's the rough time of their own making. You know, it's like, that sucks. I wouldn't want to go through that. <laughs> I'm, I'm sorry you're going through that, but it, that's pretty far as it goes, you know? Um,
1: yeah, I mean, it's 50-50 for me. I think I'm a little bit more sad on just the fact that Lex is such an important member of the tribe, and I feel like Everyone at that party should know that and the fact that he's in such a downward spiral of depression and substance abuse And that the only person who's willing to help him is Ryan Someone who's who's been with him for a while and not really the tribe leaders and by tribe leaders I mean like Danny and, and Bray so if anything if I was like um, Maybe if I was outside the mall rats looking in I feel like that I would feel bad for that because it just shows that I don't know. I don't think these people really care (laughs) about anyone but themselves, if that makes sense.
3: It's not like Lux has a good reputation outside of the mall either.
1: No, no, it's definitely not. I mean, you know, I mean, it can almost be like uh, like like Zoot, like Zoot just dying. Well, you know, if he kept trying to cause chaos and violence, you know, that was going to be his fate one day sooner, sooner than later. But it's still sad, a bit of sad that it happened to him. His own, his making is his own doing.
3: Yeah, it's tragic in that sense. Like I said, I feel sorry in the way I would feel bad for anybody watching him just spiral, you know, and destroy themselves. But that's as far as it goes. Like this wasn't done to you. You know, you mm-hmm. put a lot of garbage karma into the world, and it's just coming back to you. And that's the energy you decided to spread. And I, I don't really. I don't blame anybody for their lack of reaction to him. Um, but then again, I'm just not one of those people where you can present me with a person who's just absolutely horrible to me every second, every opportunity they have, and then you tell me something sad about them or I see them having a bad day and I'm going to cave and suddenly forget all that. I mean, these guys are looking at a person who has, well... <sighs> has very, done very little for them in the positive sense. You know, um, I'm just not surprised. They're looking at him like, you ruined the party. <laughs> we were having a good time. And then you had to come in here with your feel sorry for me, pity me BS, man. And you knocked over the snacks. Thanks a lot, man. <laughs> Great. You know, why couldn't you have just stayed upstairs with your bottles? Why would you have to come down here and ruin our fun? You know. Um,
1: Right, yeah. He does seem like that drunk uncle who comes over every Christmas. And no matter what <laughs> happens, he knocks over the tree. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, there's a go. She,
3: why do we invite Uncle Martin every year? Yeah.
1: But
2: you can see a huge contrast in how people handling th- handle things here. I mean, on one hand, we have Lex, who's lost Sandra, and you know um, feels bad about the whole situation with what happened with Trudy on the beach, because I'm sure that's still eating at him. And on the other hand, we have Bray, who's lost Amber, and was a part of that same situation, and who's pretending to live happily ever after with the two Hellcats. I don't
3: think that's fair, because he's certainly not pretending he's happy. He doesn't look happy at all. He looks as miserable as Lex. He just has different coping mechanisms. I also think you have to consider the difference in how the part they feel they played in their tragedies. You know, Lex feels blame for what happened with Trudy Mm -hmm. on the beach. You know, he can't run from that. While Bray can go into denial that none of that was his fault, Lex can't. No one will Mm -hmm. let him, you know, and I... That's what he keeps seeing, that I screwed that up. Every, I can't hide it. Everybody knows that I screwed up. Everybody said it to my face, you know. Um, I'm, I'm certain that he feels some responsibility for not being able to save Zandra on Eagle Mountain. Where Bray has the, the bliss, I suppose, of being able to convince himself that the beach wasn't his fault. He can blame Lex. He can even blame Trudy. She chose to go, you know what I mean? So he can pretend Mm -hmm. that wasn't his fault, and he has the bliss of having been unconscious on Eagle Mountain. So there's nothing he could have done to save Amber. So that affects the way they're grieving as well. Lex Lex is grieving with a sense of blame. You know, like I'm the one who did it. I'm the one who didn't save her. You know, that's on me. I I let her and my
2: baby die. And that's the first thing Bray said to him.
3: You know, and Mm -hmm. so Bray's grieving, but he doesn't have a sense of blame for what happened. So his grieving is a very different process. You know, his is more of the helpless variety where Lex has to keep looking in the mirror and thinking, I did this. I'm the one who is responsible for the loss of my potential family. And, you know, I couldn't get to her in time. I couldn't save her and the baby. Not to mention, Lex had to bury her. He had to put mm-hmm. her in the ground. Ray was, he, he was uh, saved from that. He came to Mm. and it was already done, you know. So that's going to affect their grieving to be very different, you know. I feel worse for Lex and F. Bardo. I don't know what's worse. To have to be the one to do it or to just uh, wake up and it's already done. I, I don't know which one gives you more closure, you know. At least Lex got to go through the process where Bray didn't. But then again, having to do that... I don't know what that would do to your brain, so I don't know which one of them cut off mm-hmm. You know, easier. I, I don't think either one of them did.
1: Yeah, neither of them did, but I'll still give it to Lex. I think he got through it worse because technically he put two people in there. <laughs> mm-hmm.
3: It almost does feel like Lex takes more responsibility, um, and that, that's not me giving him much credit, but it does feel like Lex is at least willing to, in his own mind, I mean, he may not admit it to anybody else, but it, it does feel like Lex takes on at least the responsibility of the crimes that he feels mm-hmm. he's committed where again, Bray is just in Egypt at this point, And, um, mm. I, so I, I don't know. So yeah, maybe Lex has it worse. I think it's, it's worse to, to be aware of your fault in something, even if, cause he's obviously not to blame for what happened with Andre, but he clearly feels it. Mm-hmm. And I think that's worse. Than being like mm. Bray, where you were able to just have this sense of, well, it wasn't my fault. There's nothing I could have done. Um,
2: you know, the moment that Bray came to and Lex was there to tell him what happened, the first thing Bray did was blame Lex for not saving Amber.
3: Yeah, he does not imply that every man for himself, a Lex? Mm-hmm. But that's part of Bray's coping mechanism. He mm-hmm. projects his helplessness onto others because he wasn't, you know, awake to have done anything to save Amber. First thing he does is project that fury onto someone else. Like, well, if I wasn't awake to, you know, save her, what about you Lex? Why didn't you save her? I think he would have done that to anybody in that moment, but yeah, that's one of his coping mechanisms.
0: Okay. So moving on, um, Jack later apologizes to Ellie and she immediately suggests that they create a new sheet to help with their investigation into the origins of the virus. Um, well, I have two questions here. Like, do you agree that they should be continuing to investigate the origins of the virus? Like, do you side with Danny that it really shouldn't matter? And, like, did you think that it would have actually any ramifications later on?
3: Honestly, at this point in time, I didn't think there was going to be a point to it. It felt more like their interest in the ant you know the virus was going to lead them into making a newspaper a newsletter so i was like oh okay i just saw it as this is how they got from point a to point b of doing something productive with their curiosity Mm -hmm. i didn't think it was actually going to lead to answers for the virus at this point i just thought oh okay i get it so this is how this is what you know these two are gonna be doing now. They're going to make a paper and investigate crimes or whatever, you know, but I didn't think this would actually lead to them finding out <laughs> the answers to the yeah. virus, which is pretty cool.
2: <laughs> I mean, it gives them something to do together. Mm-hmm. And yeah, it basically it gives Ellie the purpose that she wanted to have in her life. So I get why she's clinging to we should know about the virus and what happened, but she's also the kind of person who knows that um, things that happened in the past can happen again, so you know, learn from what has happened before, and you can't learn from what has happened before if you don't know what it is
1: Yeah, I also didn't think much of the, uh, the tape that they found at the, the government building but, uh, <laughs> It's amazing that uh, it's almost kind of like such a, a small percent percentage of like chance actually happening that that was the exact tape <laughs> that they needed to find. But um yeah, I mean, it's 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 cool, though,
3: especially since the tape just mysteriously disappeared. Mm-hmm. Like that's odd. Like rarely does that happen. You know, usually when you have check a gun, you're expecting it to fire and they still haven't found the tape. It just literally disappeared. We have no leads on who would take it. There's no motives at this point as to who would take it. You know, so even if you had an inkling that Danny was suspicious at the time, it hasn't been mentioned again. Mm-hmm. So it easily just fall into your back of your mind. Oh, I guess that tape was interesting, but nothing has come of it. We have no idea who even took it, you know, where it went. And so it was a really nice way of burying the lead.
2: I think a part of doing that, you know, her suggestion for that news sheet is her way of finding something to connect. More Jack. She knows he was interested in it. And you know, it's a way for her to spend more time with him. That
3: was a really great uh, plot device to, you know, bringing in the, the idea of an open press in this world. Mm-hmm. You know, um, it's almost like if you want to have money or something, you need something that leads to why and how that developed. And so for me, I thought this was just a good storyline to us. This industrialization of the city you know, we saw the process of them having a law. We may not have liked that process, but it's explained to us how the city now is going to have a law. And this is the process of this is how the city is going to have a newspaper, you know, that tells people what's going on. and So I, I like that. Like, oh, okay, that's how we got here, you know.
1: It's, it's almost funny how the press didn't come first. <laughs> it's the law and then the press. <laughs> I almost felt like maybe the city would have turned out a little bit differently if the press would have came first and then them trying to create laws.
3: Well that it's historical it has historical precedent, you know. When communities form, one of the first things that form is leadership and then a rule <laughs> of law and then open communication. Like, okay, how are we right. gonna make sure people know what's going on? So it falls in line with how communities grow and expand and develop.
2: Plus it would have been way too convenient to have that newspaper up and running when Brady was snatched. Yeah. I
3: will say poor Jack. This is a good idea he and Ellie just, you know, Ellie just brought to him. And when they go to say, to say something to Brady, just the look on his face is like, I swear to God, if you're coming to me with a problem, I can't take it. <laughs> I cannot take it. He's <laughs> poor Jack, you're like, what like why are you looking i haven't even said anything yet phrase <laughs> uh, <laughs> phase just like please don't don't come to me with anything right now i got nothing <laughs> i don't have the energy for anything right now
0: <laughs> but it, it was like the perfect setup because like the kids are just asked about oh yeah you can find out about you should be looking for truth. Mm-hmm. and here comes jack and like, oh yeah we're, we're gonna make a newsletter like it's just the perfect setup. Okay, we can find, get the information out there and find them.
2: <laughs> yeah, but he doesn't want her to come back right now. He's still hurt that she chose the chosen over him. I mean,
0: okay. Do you think, uh, you just mentioned, kind of? do you think one of the reasons why Bray doesn't want Trudy back is because the truth about Ebony would come out?
3: Yeah. I don't think that Bray doesn't want Trudy back. So I can't, I don't agree with that. I don't think that Bray's thinking, oh, well, I don't want her to come back. You know what I mean? Mm. Um, Because Bray is still just not accepting his part in what happened. So he can't, he's not thinking about it. He's not doing any real self examination. He's just depressed about it. He's just sad. But he doesn't, he's not really examining why or how he got here. Or maybe he is and he's just not admitting it. But his actions tell me he isn't taking any responsibility for how things have gone down. I don't think he doesn't want Trudy back. I think he wants everything to be perfect and the way it was. And he's just pity me right now because he. I don't know how we got here. This is so sad. I'm so sad. I, I don't think he doesn't want Trudy back. I don't think that at all. Mm-hmm. In fact, if he if she miraculously showed up, and and we have seen this um, later, uh, he would he wouldn't want to deal with the whole Ebony situation. You know, uh, he would. It's like he would conveniently forget. Trudy would bring it up to him. Like, why is she still here or something? And Brady would be like, oh, oh yeah. <laughs> I haven't yeah, allowed myself to think
2: about that. <laughs> I mean, you know, <laughs> I'm sorry. Oh, she did right. this to you and I made her co-leader. <laughs> exactly. He,
3: <laughs> <laughs> he just hasn't allowed himself to think about that, you know, at all. He wants Judy back and that's it. That's, or at least Brady.
1: Yeah.
2: <laughs> <laughs>
1: yeah, that's true. Brady's that.
3: too young to talk. <laughs> and then he'd want it to be all water under the bridge Because mm-hmm. I can only imagine What that conversation would be like If Trudy came back And you know Because I can't imagine what that was like for Trudy anyway But she come if she came back now And would want to discuss the Ebony thing Like why the heck is she still here What the hell I can see Bray trying to sweep it under the rug It doesn't matter you're back now <laughs> <laughs>
2: Don't even think about that stuff, Judy. <laughs> you're home and everything's great. <laughs> Go rest. Have a warm meal. Exactly. Yeah. I don't want to deal with the ramifications of anything. <laughs> well try to get your stuff out of storage if it's still there.
0: Yeah, you're right. He wouldn't do with that at all. <laughs> he
2: would not want to deal with it. <laughs> like Bray has got his head
3: buried so far in the sand. Actually, oh oh my gosh I just realized this now maybe I'm remembering it wrong and Sabine correct me because you're much better at this than I am when Trudy does come back Ebony's still you know working with the tribe because her, se- it, it, her secret gets mm-hmm. revealed later you know and but Trudy will like reveal that Ebony had some you know played a part in her being taken by the chosen and even then Bray has the nerve to be like what she did that why didn't you tell us Trudy Mm-hmm. <laughs> Like he yeah. like, even then when Trudy like actually says out loud that you know Ebony had everything to do with why she ended up with Chosen, that she's the one who betrayed her to the chosen, Bray has the nerve to be shocked. Like, What? No. <laughs>
2: Ebony, mm. I, are you sure about this Judy? <laughs> yeah. He
1: he would make <laughs> that Pikachu shock face one hundred
3: percent. His reaction when she said that should have been like, damn it, I knew it.
0: <laughs> oh, I, I will have to excuse myself from that episode. <laughs> okay, so that leads us to our final thoughts of the episode. So throughout this episode, we see Ebony's progress as she attempts to poison Tyson. Um, Yeah, Pana, what did you think of the escalation in Ebony's plan to get rid of Tyson and the tragic twist as Bob drinks the spilled poison?
2: Poor Bob.
0: So I why
3: did it. she
1: want Tysan dead again?
3: One less person who has the formula. One less person who has any power or voice about mm-hmm. what... Be. Because okay. I don't think she would have stopped at Tysan. Tysan right. was just the first one to eliminate. And then, mm-hmm. as we see what she's going to do with it, her next goal is to get rid of Danny. And uh, I don't know how long Bray would have lasted... Bray's controllable though, so she might have kept him around. But Tyson and Danny have already proven not to be controllable. They're competition. They have strong voices, mm-hmm. you know. Um, and this was a really smart way of her to go about it. She could have gone after Danny first, but because she wants to frame Danny, you know, go after Tyson first. Very smart. I like the way it's filmed mm-hmm. throughout the episode, you know, with yeah. you see her just constantly trying to get to Tyson's room. And being thwarted. But she's real cool under that pressure. Nobody suspects anything weird about how often you find Tysan near... I mean, find Ebony near Tysan's living and workspace. Nobody thinks that's odd that she's there several times during the day. um, Which I thought was really great. Because she handles herself so well every time she gets caught in that Mm -hmm. area. And Mm -hmm. um, so I liked it. I liked it because, you know, it was just... And then she finally gets her opportunity to do it and... It was slick, really well done because it's set up from the very first scene that Ebony's Mm -hmm. up to something. And then you're like, why? What is she up to? You don't really know what she's up to until she finally gets in that lab and messes with Tyson's antidote. It was just really well done. And um, you still don't know what she's doing. You know what I mean? Like, I can't say I suspected she was going to try and kill Tyson. It's not until poor Bob keels over that I know what was in that drink, what she put in the antidote, what those little crystals were, you know? And uh, so that was really well done, I think.
1: Yeah, um, the plan just doesn't make sense to me why she would want her dead. Again, I know it's because one less person knows the antidote, but then I'm sure people in the would have voted for someone else to know. So then that means she would have to kill them. And then the cycle would just repeat, repeat <laughs> itself until everyone's just dead.
2: <laughs> yeah, but she but, would have manipulated Bray into saying he should be the one as he is co-leader.
1: Right. And then, and then, to my knowledge, nobody else in the city knows that mm-hmm. Ebony knows the formula, right?
3: Nobody but Bray knows.
1: Right. So, I think her plan makes
3: the perfect sense. I mean, at no. this moment in time, in the city they all think Tyson's the only person who has the antidote formula. And within the mall, they all think that Tyson and Bray are the only ones with the formula. Now Bray is Ebony's puppet. She's managed Mm -hmm. to get herself into leadership and she can steer Bray, but Tyson and Danny are still obstacles. Danny is the largest obstacle in her way. Danny has the most pull with Bray right now. So I think Ebony's plan is very well thought out. It's like, okay, first, let's get rid of the other person who knows the formula, okay? Get her out of here. Um, Because as long as she knows it, that's just a problem for me. I can't ever get profit or use the antidote the way I want to as long as the mall rats are still giving it away for free. So let's get rid of Tyson. Mm -hmm. And then I can frame Danny for it. So that gets rid of the other influence in Bray's life. Because once Danny goes down for that, Bray doesn't have, who has he got? He only has Ebony left. You know, it's just very smart. And she might get him back. Who knows? (laughs) I don't know if that's what she's thinking at this point, but it's just just really brilliant. Well thought out.
2: These two women are not just competition for who could know the antidote, who could hold the power. They're competition for Bray.
1: Mm. Yeah, I see it more as that than anything else.
2: I think power is her first priority. It
3: usually is with Ebony. Um, mm-hmm. The stuff, you know, affection, all that comes second with her. It's a nice bonus. It's always a nice bonus. But if she has to choose between love and power, power usually is the one thing she goes after first. You can buy love in Ebony's mind. Um, so get the power first. Get the competition out of the way first. And then once you can isolate your target, then you can work on seducing them you know and so yeah once she had gotten rid of both Tyson and Danny then she
1: would have probably worked on Bright. Mm, all right i guess that makes sense
2: but can i just say oh bob at the end of this episode that just crushes me that crushes me mm-hmm. so much
3: i i just i ah uh, he's an original mall rat man you know and
2: he's a master i've already lost
3: uh, i've lost Four ball rats at this point. Well, five if you count poor Paul. And now I've lost Bob. And the way Bob goes out just really upsets me. It's not like losing a pet to natural causes or just, you know, what happens. Sometimes they get hit by Mm -hmm. a car or whatever. It's like losing your pet because your neighbor put poison in their trash, you know, Mm -hmm. And, and your dog or your cat got into it. You're just like, their life was snuffed out too early, too soon. And... Bob being collateral damage to such a heinous crime is just awful, you know. Um, and he's such a good doggo. Oh my god! Mm-hmm. It just seeing Bob laying there, just oh my god, it hurts me uh-huh. so much. Oh my god, no, oh my goodness. And he was just happy hanging out with Tyson. Just it was peaceful. It was quiet up there. He didn't want to be around the party and. And then he's just like, oh, something spilled. I'm a doggo. I'll clean it up. No problem. Don't worry about it, Tyson. She leaves to go get some, you know, towels. And he's like, I'll
2: take care of it because he's a good boy. Ugh. Yeah. And and then we see Chloe thinking about, wait, shouldn't we get Bob to us? Oh, my gosh. Because for some magic reason, that girl always knows when one of her animals is in trouble. <laughs> what Patsy says to her, don't don't worry. He's with Tyson, you know.
3: And. hmm Ugh, it's just rough. It's, it hurts. It hurts me. It does. Mm-hmm. I mean, miss you so much, Bob. No other pet will ever be you. Bob was the Alice of the animals. <laughs>
0: <laughs> I mean, just, just a final question about that. Like, did you guys appreciate the symbolism? We have the birth of the lamb and then the death of Bob. Or do you think it was a bit too much? Like, what do you think about that?
3: I don't think they correlated. To me, mm. but maybe it does. Maybe they symbolize not so much the lamb and Bob mirroring each other, but more like but life and death.
0: Yeah, life and death.
3: I think it could, it could be metaphorical on a completely different level. On one hand, you've got the birth of law and order, but the death of freedom and democracy in the city. But that could be just reading way, way too much into
1: it. Yeah, yeah.
3: With every birth, something has to die. Something has to be lost
2: you know it's the circle of life yeah
0: so that brings series two episode 19 to a close thank you very much to the panel and next week we have our new guest podcaster for the day tamsin so if you'd like to take part like she will in a future episode of the podcast then you can send us a form over on our website the Tribe UK, or send us a message on our facebook page so yeah we'll see you next time for episode 20 until then bye 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 Bye!